David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.26 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is the 30th of September. It is the year 2019. This is episode 144 of Bitcoin And. Let's start with New York City Mesh. Okay, they reached 400 active installs. Uh, Less than six months ago, they reached 300, so their acceleration is becoming very impressive. Now, if you look at the map, and you can see that map of where their nodes are at nycmesh.net forward slash map, nycmesh.net. They're... um, the map shows that they have 400 total nodes. Uh, 364 of those are nodes. 33 of those are hubs. And then there's three super nodes. And it looks like it's covering, God, like half of lower Manhattan uh, and almost all, seems to be all of Brooklyn. I, you know, my God, it's just this, this, this huge mesh that they're building out, man. And from what I've from what I understand, it it gives pretty good internet connectivity without having to go through. I don't know who New York's uh, New York City's uh, main telecommunications company is for uh, internet, but I've heard it sucks, and I've heard that NYC Mesh is doing a much better job getting people connected to high speed internet, and they're doing it through a mesh network. So this is this is a, a huge key to the Bitcoin puzzle um, or a huge piece to the Bitcoin puzzle, because when those two things, when Bitcoin and, and, and mesh really marries up and it, I mean, yes, you can send transactions over, over mesh networks right now. We know that, but it's not exactly easy. Okay. There is a, there's a huge learning curve. It's not all that clear exactly how to do it. There's like, you know, apparently several, you know, different people have tried different things and it's a little tough. I I mean, it's, I haven't done it myself because I do, I'm not set up with the gear to do it, but from what I've read is this is not exactly easy. However, neither was, you know, was Bitcoin when I first got into it. It wasn't exactly a, you know, a walk in a park as far as user experience goes and it still isn't. And that's okay. I mean, it, it, it'll get better. But when Mesh Network and Bitcoin really connect through a seamless UX, man, wow, that's that's what I, I'm I'm so looking forward to seeing that happen, and I know it will happen. Okay, so let's just uh, get in get on into the news. Marie Juliet is writing for Coin Telegraph this morning that Binance becomes Tron's top super representative and adds TRX staking support. Yeah, you knew it was going to happen at one point or another. Industrial level shit coinery right here, but it is happening in the world, so we might as well go ahead and talk about it and not, you know, 
not just keep our heads in the sand. According to TronScan's data on September the 30th, Binance acquired over 12 billion votes for the top spot ranking. Blockchain community SesameSeed.org is now the second largest SR, Tron-based Beatscoin, is in third place. On September the 30th, Binance revealed that it would add support for TRX staking starting October 1, with initial estimation of rewards to be calculated through November the 1st and subsequently distributed before November the 5th. The system will then continue on the same basis monthly per Binance's website. The development follows the exchange's recent launch of dedicated staking services last week, which enable Binance users to deposit their shitcoin holdings and earn shitcoin rewards, but without having to set up their own nodes to fulfill minimum staking amounts and or time lengths. Beatscoin COO Misha Lederman noted in a tweet on September the 29th that Binance has essentially frozen 12 billion TRX, taking one-sixth of the coin supply out of circulation. The exchange's ascendancy to top SR has sparked avid debate amid a small group of crypto Twitterers. While Lederman appears to view Binance's prominent position in the ecosystem and token lockup as potentially bullish development for TRX's price, others have expressed some concern as to the implications of a leading industry player, quote, buying out the top spot. At press time, TRX is the 14th largest cryptocurrency by market cap, seeing a price hike of almost 6.5% on the day, according to Coin360 data. Earlier this month, Tron co-founder and CEO Justin Sun announced a new plan for Tron's proof-of-stake mechanism focused on the promotion of a fair, decentralized distribution staking revenues to bolster user participation and engagement from industry players such as exchanges, wallets, and partners. The CEO has also revealed plans to imminently reschedule his highly anticipated charity lunch with Berkshire Hathaway chairman and arch-Bitcoin skeptic Warren Buffett. Son had won the charity auction. Well, you know the rest of that story. He paid five or four point five million dollars to have lunch with this guy and then bailed out. So that that's gonna do it for that. But man, the shit coinery at, at industrial scale is just it's just kind of frightening. Just ugh, ugh, I don't just buy Bitcoin. All right, speaking of shitcoinery, RSK parent company acquires Taringa to tokenize, get this, social media. Uh, IOV Labs, the company behind, oh, I'm sorry, that was G- this is Jimmy Aki writing on September the 27th for Bitcoin Magazine. IOV Labs, the company behind the Bitcoin-powered rootstock network, has acquired Latin American social network site Taringa for an undisclosed amount. Taringa is a 30 million person strong network with over 1,000 active online communities. The acquisition is expected to to provide IOV labs with access to invaluable data and information needed to test and distribute its centralized infrastructure at scale. Diego Gutierrez Zaldaviar, the chief executive of IOV labs and RSK, wants to use this customer data to gain feedback as his team rolls out tools and protocols in the future. Speaking with Bitcoin Magazine, he said, quote, We believe that integrating blockchain technologies and economies into existing social networks with millions of users can be an important gateway for the participation in the emerging Internet of Value. 
Though the acquisition, or through the acquisition of Tarango, we intend on receiving immediate feedback on our features to improve them together with the community as we go along and to extend the entire Bitcoin ecosystem. In order to collect this sort of feedback and utilize it, Zaldivar explained that IOV Labs will begin by using the Rootstock Infrastructure Framework, or RIF, and RSK services to tokenize interactions on social network. We are already building out, <clears throat> building out our first tool to f- allow Tarango users to get rewarded by being active participants in their community, Turinga CEO Matthias Botball explained in a press release sent to Bitcoin Magazine, quote, once this is in place, we envision adding more features, including peer-to-peer token exchanges, a marketplace for other dApps to start offering products and services to our users and more, end quote. RSK is a Bitcoin sidechain project that is connected to the Bitcoin blockchain via two-way peg. The chain uses smart Bitcoin to run its to run its internal ecosystem, thus allowing users to lock their Bitcoin and get a token representing that value on the sidechain. With these RBTC tokens, users can go on to interact with dApps and other smart contracts on the RSK blockchain. Social networks are driven by the most popular and snappy content where avid users strive to become influencers. These popular influencers are traditionally compensated outside of the network, usually based on the number of interactions that their branded content accumulates over time. The question of how to reward these content creators in a more direct, equitable, or tokenized way has been an ongoing concern for Turinga. In July 2019, it launched a pilot program called Turinga Pioneers, a system that sought to reward popular content creators on the network with cryptocurrency. According to Zaldivar, IOV Labs will begin integrating the RSK wallet into Turinga. This will allow them to experiment with several incentive models for compensating content creators in the community using Bitcoin and RBTC. The blockchain firm also pl- has plans to move Turinga's infrastructure to RIF-based decentralized protocols. Its naming service protocol, RIF Directory, which functions as a secure DNS-like system, would house Turinga user in- registration and reputational profile protocols. Meanwhile, RIF, RIF data will handle secure data storage and distribution of content. Quote, we see Turinga as the first step towards massive adoption of both RSK and RIF platforms. and a great step forward for our long-term version of empowering individuals through decentralization. We can't wait to share more news about the first products very soon as we continue building the Internet of Value, Zaldivar said. In July 2019, RSK took a step further in bringing decentralized storage to Bitcoin by joining forces with Swarm to develop a multi-chain distributed storage network. Quote, our vision is to create an open marketplace for decentralized infrastructure and services. So this is the first step toward integrating other protocols into the RIFOS, Zaldivar told Bitcoin Magazine. Now, I don't know. I mean, this could be good news, but I don't know. I've, I've got... I've got reservations about Rootstock and have had reservations about the intentions of Rootstock. I mean, because they're just, I don't know. It seems like it's a really slippery slope that they could get on where like circle pay or, or something like that, abandon their ideals that started the whole thing, i.e. Bitcoin, and then try to, you know, have their own, their own token with its own value and its own market cap. And all of a sudden it's no longer what it was supposed to be. That's my concern with Rootstock. Now, so far, so far, so good. It's just that, I don't know, man, it just seems like sticking the sticking your toe into uh, shit coinery. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. But there's just something about it. That's always been bugging me. William Foxley is writing as of this morning for Coindesk. 
crypto exchange Bithum, $330 million acquisition may be in jeopardy. No kidding. I guess the check's in the mail. A deal to acquire cryptocurrency exchange Bithum for over $300 million remains in choppy waters. According to the Korea Herald on Monday, fintech firm BK Global Consortium's deal to buy a majority stake in the major South Korean exchange has not yet been fully paid for. Yeah, check's in the mail. In October 2018, BTC Korean Holdings had agreed to sell 51% of its share to Bithum in BitHum to BK Global Consortium for $333 million. Since the deal was brokered, BK Global reportedly made a down payment of $100 million. However, sources close to the matter told the news source that BK Global pushed back in the April deadline for completing the purchase on the condition that it would increase its stake in BitHum from 51% to 70%. However, the report said BK Global has again missed a September 30 deadline for the final payment. The Herald said that the firm had been seeking various partnerships or buyouts to secure the remaining capital for the acquisition. One such investor, Cho Yoon Heong of electronic equipment manufacturer Cornerstone, is rumored to be contributing some $125 million toward BK Global's exchange purchase. On Monday, Cho disputed that the deal would fall apart following the second extension. Quote, the deal is proceeding smoothly. No, it's not. And we're working on details with BTC Holdings, end quote. A Bithum representative concurred, stating, quote, Bithum has stable management, so there won't be any impact should the deal collapse, end quote. Yeah, no, man, that sounds like it's a dog with fleas. Uh, They're missing payments. They've missed two and then they gave some kind of bullshit reason about, oh, we're going to buy more. Yeah, we're going to buy even more. And then they're, no, that this, I, I, I give this like chances of like one in five for that happening. Helen Parts is writing for Cointelegraph. Oh God, this one. Oh, this one makes my head hurt and I'm not even a lawyer. Coinbase Kraken to jointly define which cryptos are securities. A report. Yeah, right. Okay. In a move to provide more clarity for what tokens can be traded without the supervision of regulators, major U.S.-based exchanges formed the so-called Crypto Ratings Council, the Wall Street Journal reports on September the 30th. According to the report, other members of the Crypto Ratings Council include Circle, Internet Financial, Bittrex, Genesis Global Trading, Grayscale Investments, Barry, don't do, don't get into that New York agreement shit again, Anchor Labs and DRW Holdings Cumberland Unit. The group continues to recruit participants, the report notes. Expected to officially launch on September the 30th, today, the new crypto council will be publishing online ratings for digital assets on a scale of one to five, where the highest value means that a certain token is considered as a security that cannot be issued, sold, or traded by unregulated firms. As such, Bitcoin is considered a one, as regulators publicly said that Bitcoin is not a security, participants reportedly stated. Brian Brooks, chief legal officer of Coinbase, who reportedly conceived the rating system, emphasized the question whether a certain token is a security or not is one of the biggest uncertainties around crypto and the reason why more asset managers are not comfortable with it. Mary Beth Buchanan, is that right? Yeah, Buchanan, Kraken's general counsel, expressed hope that the United States Security and Exchange Commission will view the initiative as a positive step, claiming that the council aims to show the regulator the exchange's efforts to come to a decision on the matter, not your decision to make. 
According to the Wall Street Journal, a number of companies participating in the councils are members of the Blockchain Association, a lobbying group that backs a House bill that would exempt many cryptocurrencies from SEC rules. The firm re- firms reportedly brief senior lawmakers on the matter. On September 26, SEC Commissioner Hester Pierce, who is also known as Crypto Mom in the community, expressed some frustration with the pace of the SEC's regulation, calling the regulators excessively paternalistic. Pierce said, quote, If you want a government that's more forward-thinking on innovation, that means that if something goes wrong, you can't go running back to the government and say, Hey, you didn't protect me from myself. I think we need to be a little less paternalistic, end quote. Yeah, I agree with that, but this entire thing is a shit show. Why? Well, because they're not the ones to determine whether or not something is a security. That's the SEC or in, in other countries, you know, whatever their regulatory body is, but in the United States, it's the SEC that makes that determination. So I don't know what they're trying to do here because they've got, they got no standing. In my opinion, none of these people have any standing, and I'm really kind of disappointed in Kraken because Kraken's always, you know, Kraken was my first exchange, and actually, Kraken is the only exchange that I've ever used, um, and that was in in the early days when I actually was excited about some shit coins, and now I'm just so freaking bored with the whole thing that the only reason I report on it is so that you guys don't have to, you know, get the news by sitting down and reading it. Um, I, I just don't I don't see this as as being as being anything but just lip service or or uh, kind of like a show or something. I don't I don't know because none of these none of these people have like I said that they, they don't have any standing. I mean, it might give some guidance, I I guess, but ultimately the SEC will determine whether or not something is is a is a security or not, as they've always done in the past. So. I would take that whole news. Some people are running around saying this is this is huge. I don't think it's all that big. I don't think it's really going to matter all that much. I think it's just a big old nothing burger. Bitcoin Magazine's Colin Harper is writing September the 27th that Bitmain to play matchmaker between mining farms, miners with new service. <laughs> It's eHarmony. Oh, literally, it is. Bitmain is creating the eHarmony of Bitcoin mining. Okay, maybe that's a little bit embellished, but the mining firm is creating a tool that connects large-scale mining operations with individual suitors shopping for mining hardware, hosting services. The new service, dubbed the World Digital Mining Map, will create a directory, directory of cryptocurrency mining farms and list the efficiencies of their energy sources, capacity of their facilities, and other specs. The data will help individual miners find a suitable mining farm to host their hardware. Essentially, the service creates an open marketplace for individual miners to find a cost-efficient method to operate their rigs. The WDMM will help mining farm owners fill available capacity they have, while hardware owners will have more options for places to host their rigs, a representative from Bitmain told Bitcoin Magazine. Quote, the WDMM will help to make cryptocurrency mining more sustainable in the long run by connecting mining farms and hardware owners in a whole new way. It is part of our commitment to provide miners with ongoing support through their hardware's lifetime and to support the sector's overall growth. In quote, Matthew Wang, direct, Bitmain's director of mining farms, said in a press release. 
A Bitmain representative told Bitcoin Magazine that the WDMM aims to connect the mining ecosystem in the most meaningful way for each party. Bitmain's role here will be to offer services to support the relationships in the mentioned areas. The funding and investments required for each mining farm's infrastructure will be done by the owners. The company rep added that while there is no added cost to be listed on the WDMM, hardware owners will need to pay mining farms a fee that they both agree on. If further ant miners are needed, Bitmain can support with the sales process. Bitmain is planning on launching the new tool at the World Digital Mining Summit in Frankfurt, Germany in October of 2019. Ooh, October. Good time to be in freaking Germany, man, especially in Frankfurt. With, oh, that's going to be fun for those, those guys. Wish I could go. Miners at the summit will have first priority for the service, and each applicant will need to include pertinent information on their facility's hardware capacity, power resources, and other metrics. Quote, in return, participants will be given personalized services from Bitmain, which includes assistance with mining farm design, connections to foreign customers to host, and support with operations, purchasing, and construction, the press release reads. Okay, so... You know, Bitmain hasn't been all that nasty lately. Ever since Jihan Wu exited that that thing, it, it seems like you know maybe Bitcoin or uh, Bitmain may be coming back in line with being a good Bitcoin company. I don't know. It's really hard. it's kind of hard to tell, but they haven't done anything really terrible as of late. Ever since Jihan left, this one I don't know. I don't know if I would want to give Bitmain my location of my farms, how much power I use how much capacity I have. I wouldn't even, I kind of would be a little suspicious of even telling them how much air conditioning I have because you can infer a lot of shit from that, right? So I don't know. Are their intentions pure? Remains to be seen. Bitmain has been a terrible actor in the past, but like I said, it seems like maybe as of late, they've gotten their shit back together and want to do right by the community. So there's that one. Overstock class action claims SEC blocked firm's digital dividend lockup. This is Coindesk Daniel Palmer writing this morning. An investor has launched a class action lawsuit against Overstock and two former execs claiming securities violations through making false statements to manipulate the firm's stock price. According to a complaint filed September the 27th at the district court in Utah, Benjamin Ha alleges on behalf of himself and other investors in the firm that between May 9th and September 23rd of 2019, the defendants published materially false and misleading statements regarding the company's financial state. He states that the defendants' alleged false claims allowed them to artificially inflate the value of Overstock stock and allowed former CEO Patrick Byrne to sell all of his shares worth over $100 million at the time at unrealistic prices. Further, according to the document, the claim, claims allowed Overstock to sell off more stock to the market to fund its cryptocurrency projects and caused Ha and other investors to buy stock at artificially inflated prices. Byrne, who left the firm in August after disclosing that he had had a three-year affair with a Russian agent, is, is accused of selling his shares while in possession of adverse information not disclosed to shareholders. Former CFO Gregory Iverson, who resigned last week is also accused of making materially false and misleading statements. The complaint also addresses previously public claims that Overstock had used its unusual crypto shareholders dividend in the form of a digital security issued via its subsidiary T0 to take revenge in quotes <laughs> on short sellers. The dividend was to be locked up for six months, effectively meaning it was impossible for short sellers to maintain their short position. 
Haas' complaint states, quote, while Defendant Byrne had previously at different times launched into public tirades over short-selling and naked short-selling, the T-Zero dividend was his secret plot to finally obtain hedge hegemony over them, and it almost worked, end quote. However, the complaint alleges the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission was working behind the scenes, telling Overstock that it would not allow the locked-up dividend. Meanwhile, some banks were also easing the the situation for short sellers by saying they would accept a cash equivalent to the locked-up digital shares. As a result, on September the 18th, Overstock moved to restructure the dividend to end the lockup and allow the shares to be freely traded at issuance. Briefly, the firm's initial announcements on the lockup had caused its stock price to bounce, at which time Byrne is said to have capitalized by selling all his shares. (laughs) Even, it was alleged, while the SEC was telling the firm it would not allow the dividend in its current form. As a result of his claims, Ha is asking the court for a trial by jury. Whoa, that's a nice little bit right there. Trial by jury on this. That's going to be kind of interesting. We'll see if it goes to court, but yeah, Patrick Byrne just, he just burned down the entire company that he helped build when he sold. He just market sold everything. Just boom, just dumped it. I mean, I don't know about that. I, I guess I wish I could be in his shoes to be able to make a decision like that, but I would hope that if I was in a, uh, a, that kind of capacity that I would make the correct decision and not freaking dump every single share that I had of a company when you know it's going to tank the stock price because that's a lot of that's just a whole bunch of stuff to throw on the market all at once. Okay, Coin Telegraph's Jack Martin is writing that Fundstrat's Tom Lee reminds us of Bitcoin's quote 10 best days rule and this is this morning Fund Strat co-founder Thomas Lee tweeted a timely reminder against panic selling on September the 28th, reminding that the majority of Bitcoin gains come in the 10 best trading days of the year. In fact, excluding these 10 best days, BTC is down 25% per year. In any given year, the vast majority of gains in Bitcoin price come in just the 10 biggest trading days, according to this rule. During the last bull market of 2017, price rose an incredible 1,136% in those 10 days. But even during the bear market of 2018, the the best 10 days saw an overall gain of 66%. However, exclusion of these days tell a very different story. In most years since 2013, those 355-6 days have seen mainly quite considerable losses. Whilst 2017 did see gains of an impressive 232%, 2018 suffered a loss of 140%. Similarly, 2013 and 2014 have seen losses of 199 and 133% respectively. In fact, since 2013, excluding those 10 best days, Bitcoin has seen annual losses averaging 25%. I'm not really sure about that. Well, I'm, I'm sure their math is better than mine. Lee cautions against making emotional trading decisions by asking, are you that good at trading? That's a good question to ask yourself. Everybody, take a breath, ask yourself that. Are you that good at trading? Because God knows I suck at it, or I would if I did. Continuing, the implication that holding is a better strategy than trading is clear. However, Lee also alludes to thoughts that crypto winner may be back, suggesting that even in bull markets, there will be a large number of heavy loss days. Bitcoin is currently hovering around the $8,000 mark. 
This represents an approximate 110% gain for the year to date. As Cointelegraph reported on September the 20th, Tom Lee said that Bitcoin and cryptocurrency will gain trust from the launch of institutional trading platform backed. Well, that remains to be seen. Seems to be an argument that the whole backed release was just a non-starter and kind of, uh, some people are saying that it caused this massive, this massive sellout. I don't know if I buy that or not, but you know, it's not a terrible thing that backs here. I, don't, I mean, I don't think so. I think it's just going to take time. Like everything takes time and we hit, it's like we have zero amount of patience left anymore. Coin telegraphs, Adrian Zmunsky is writing as of yesterday, September the 29th, that Zcash bug could reveal shielded full nodes IP addresses. So y'all that are using Zcash for whatever reason, buckle up. A bug in all Zcash implementations and most of its forks could leak metadata containing the full nodes with shielded addresses IPs. Komodo core developer Duke Leto Nice. Disclosed the bug in a blog post published on his personal website. A, co- a common vulnerabilities and exposures code has already been assigned to track the issue on September the 27th. Leto explains, quote, a bug has existed for all shield addresses since the inception of Zcash and Zcash protocol. It is present in all Zcash source code forks. It is possible to find the IP address of full nodes who own a shielded address. That is, Alice giving Bob a Zatter, or a shielded Z address, to be paid could actually allow Bob to discover Alice's IP address. This is drastically against the design of Zcash protocol. Per the announcement, everyone who published their Zatter or provided it to a third party could be affected by the vulnerability. Lido claims that users should consider their IP address and geolocation information associated with it as tied to Zatter. According to Lido, users who never used a Zatter, only used it over the Tor Onion routing network, or only to send funds are not affected. Furthermore, Lido also claims that Zcash is not the only cryptocurrency affected and provides a non-exhaustive list. The cryptocurrencies included in the list are Zcash, Hush, Pirate, Komodo, Smart Chains with Zatter enabled by default, Safecoin, Horizon Zero, Votecoin, Snowgem, Bitcoin Z, Litecoin Z, Zellcash, Ycash, Arrow versus Bitcoin Private, Z Classic, and Anon. Lido also points out that Komodo has already distributed the Shield Addresses features feature and transitioned it to the Pirate Chain, which means that KMD no longer contains the bug. As Cointelegraph recently reported, Electric Coin Company, which launched and supports the development of privacy coin Zcash, recently published a paper describing a trustless cryptographic system called Halo. So the the dangers of shitcoinery are real. You know, it, it really is. That's why all of us are screaming at the top of our lungs, why the hell would you put any kind of money on like a second or third most trusted uh, network? It's probably not a good idea. This is, this is, this one's pretty bad. This one, yeah, this one's pretty bad for Zcash. This one's bad too, but I don't really give a shit because it's just another shit coin. And why, you're asking me, why are you talking about all the shit coins? Because there's really nothing else going on. I mean, we're kind of in a holding pattern. Price is weird. We've seen a bottom, eh, but there is news. I mean, Adrian Zmunsky is also writing for Cointelegraph that $6.4 million worth of FSN tokens were stolen from Fusion Network's swap wallet. Again, stay away from the shit coins. Just stop. And also, not your keys, not your coins. All right. 
Fusion Network's token swap wallet was compromised. Roughly a third of FSN tokens was stolen as a result. Fusion Foundation announced in a Medium post published on September the 29th that its swap wallet was compromised, which resulted in the theft of 10 million native FSN and 3.5 million Ethereum-based ERC-20 FSN tokens. The total worth of stolen FSN tokens was estimated around 6.4 million at that time. The foundation's investigation has not revealed any other affected wallet so far. The alleged cyber criminal reportedly started to launder the coins already. Quote, after the currency was stolen, abnormal wash trading behavior occurred and some of the stolen tokens were sold across exchanges, in particular BitMax and HotBit. The attacker reportedly obtained access to the wallet by, by stealing the private key associated with it. The author of the post claims that the fusion protocol and technology itself has been and remains secure. In an attempt to prevent the laundering of the funds in question, deposits and withdrawals of FSN tokens have been reportedly suspended on cryptocurrency exchanges such as Huobi, OKX, Bit, uh, BitMax, Cytex, and Hotbit. All the funds remaining in the token swap wallet were moved to a cold wallet. Abnormal transactions are being tracked. Lastly, the foundation is also working on some unspecified technological approaches to recover the funds. As of press time, FSN is trading at around $0.17, over 66% lower than the one it traded yesterday, according to Coin360 data. As Cointelegraph reported yesterday, American internet infrastructure firm Juniper Networks found a new spyware that uses Telegram app to replace crypto addresses with its own. That seems wildly out of place, but okay. <clears throat> so shitcoins, should you get into them? No. I don't even know what FSN does. All I know is that some some poor idiots poured their money into it and uh, somebody stole it. So there you go. Oh, God. Okay, this is kind of depress- depressing. NBA uh, says that basketball player cannot tokenize his contract after all. Nicholas Day is reporting uh, for Coindesk on September the 28th. Spencer Dinwiddie took a shot at tokenization, but the NBA blocked him. <laughs> the NBA said Friday that Dinwiddie's plan to pledge part of his contract earnings for a security token offering violates the league's collective bargaining agreement, according to the New York Times. The described arrangement, or quote, the described arrangement is prohibited by the CBA, which provides that no player shall assign or otherwise transfer to any third party his right to receive compensation from the team under his uniform player contract, the league said. Dinwiddie appeared to disagree with the statement or the assessment writing on Twitter, quote, the architecture by definition is not an assignment, <laughs> LOL, F-U-D, <laughs> end quote. It is unclear if the NBA spoke to Dinwiddie before providing the statement to the Times. However, the Brooklyn Nets guard indicated that he had told the league about his intentions before they were publicly announced, writing, quote, to put this quite simply, I am not assigning my contract and have been explicit in that when I have spoken to them, end quote. Quote, the news tonight is disappointing because all it does is inspire FUD in the birth of a previously unrealized asset class under the assumption that I am breaking a rule that I've been clear I'm not breaking in multiple conversations, end quote. He also writes, I look forward to an understanding because as I stated in the previous articles, it was made with the NBA in mind. Hopefully being able to bring added fan engagement to, to the different players and teams and liquidity for team owners. Man, that dude knows how to talk. Nice. A publicist for Dinwiddie did not immediately respond for request for comment. 
A spokesperson for the NBA sent Coindesk the same statement shared with the Times. Dinwiddie revealed Thursday that he intended to tokenize part of his contract on the Ethereum blockchain in order to raise the $13.5 million from his three-year $35 million contract. Dinwiddie is set to make $16 million in his first year. As part of the Dream Fan Shares platform, Dinwiddie outlined a company, outlined a company where any entertainer could tokenize their contract, raising part of their salary up front to invest or otherwise use immediately. Token holders would receive Dinwiddie's regular salary payments, recouping their investment and earnings in, earning interest. <clears throat> Paxos Trust Company was set to provide custody and escrow services for the project, paying investors out of the Paxos standard stablecoin. The company was unavailable for comment on Friday. Dinwiddie's plan is receiving public support. On Friday, presidential candidate Andrew Yang, who has praised blockchain in the past and suggested a federal framework for cryptocurrency regulation, wrote that he thought the plan was genius. He added that he was disappointed the NBA is disallowing it. Earlier Friday, Dinwiddie also revealed that he had partnered with the Tron Foundation and its CEO, Justin Sun, to donate 8.2 Bitcoin to charity by selling his game-worn shoes for the 2019-2020 season. He reassured fans that regardless of the NBA's possible issues with his contract plan, he would make the donation writing, quote, Also, in case you were worried, I am still going to give the 8.2 BTC to charity from my shoes. LOL. So, yeah, bummer, man. Kind of kind of a bummer, even though he's dealing in, he's clearly dealing in shit coinery, which I don't like, but his life, okay? Still, it kind of we were that this would have this would have been something new right i mean and it'll probably still happen but not with dinwiddie although dinwiddie will probably still do that whole company thing where other entertainers who are not under like such agreements um would be able to tokenize their contracts if at all possible so i'm still kind of looking forward to seeing where this thing goes because it's it's kind of interesting oh oh god okay um Hold on for just one sec. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and do this. It is kind of important. Christine Kim is writing for CoinDesk that, uh, and when was this? So this this morning, what Google's quantum supremacy means for the future of cryptocurrency. Just like that, the promise of quantum computers overtaking traditional computers is one step closer to reality. According to a recent report by the Financial Times, tech giant Google claims to have achieved quantum supremacy, meaning it has built a quantum computer able to solve formerly impossible mathematical calculations. If proven true, this marks a major milestone in the development of quantum computers and possibly the demise of blockchain technology as we know it today. Since the advent of Bitcoin, the threat of quantum computing has motivated researchers, technologists, and now governments to build software able to resist attack by even the most powerful quantum computers. Quantum computers, which still lar- which are still largely theoretical, are thought to vastly speed up the process of solving, solving complex computations, so much so that current calculations impossible for a current computer to solve in one human lifespan would take mere seconds for a quantum computer to crack. As explained by data research firm CB Insights, quantum computers rely on naturally occurring quantum mechanical phenomena known as superposition and entanglement. These states of matter, when harnessed for computing purposes, can speed up our ability to perform immense computations, said the report. In this summer, the National Research Council of Canada partnered with the University of Waterloo to launch a two-year research initiative 
for quantum safe blockchain technology. The research, led by University of Waterloo professors Sindresen Kishev and Michelle Mosca, is receiving a total of $180,000 over this two-year period to expand the team with other highly qualified personnel, said Nick DeFalco, communications advisor to the NRC. $180,000. Ladies and gentlemen, that's just nothing. I, (laughs) my God. Okay. Well, I'm not going to get into my, my scientific past, but I've seen, I've seen grants awarded that make, you know, for much, much more ridiculous stuff than this, like funded at 10 to 20 times, $180,000. I mean, like just like clockwork, $180,000 is nothing guys. Continuing among state governments, Canada is the leader in quantum computing research, according to Andreessen Chang, CEO of quantum R&D firm PostQuantum. Quote, other governments are trying to catch up, said Chang. The U.S. is lagging behind quite a bit. The U.K. is putting a lot of money into quantum computing hardware, and now they're just about to start thinking about post-quantum software and cryptography. Donald Trump signed the National Quantum Initiative Act into law last December, uh, December allocating $1.2 billion over a five-year period to activities promoting quantum information science. In June, the UK's National Quantum Technologies Program received an additional $193 million of funding from the UK government, placing total investments in the program since 2014 at $2.1 billion. Efforts in the private sphere are similarly increasing, according to CB Insights, which found that the number of investments in private quantum computing startups has increased over 200% in the past six years. All of this in the mind of Adam Coltoon of the Quantum Resistant Ledger Foundation speaks to a growing problem. Quote, a decade ago, people said it would take 50 years to get where we are now with quantum computing. Five years ago, they said it would take 25 years to get where we are now. So quantum computing has this nasty habit of exceeding people's expectations. And he added that the blockchain industry does need to grapple with this and be wary. Yeah, yep, we do. I mean, we don't need to be scared shitless, guys, but... Uh, ears up, eyes on the prize. Continuing, Coltoon's group claims to have built the first blockchain that is secure against attacks from quantum computers. Without proactive behavior to safeguard existing technologies from possible attack, Coltoon fears the future blockchain and cryptocurrencies and also the internet at large will be at risk. There are actually a few different ways a quantum computer can snap a blockchain. For one, blockchain transactions are secured with digital signatures based on elliptic curve cryptography. ECC, coincidentally, is also used on the internet to encrypt user data and website traffic. However, ECC is not quantum safe, according to the post-quantum's uh, according to post quantum's Chang, meaning that a powerful quantum computer could theoretically decrypt user private keys and forge transaction signatures on their behalf. Quote, once that trust is broken, there, that will be the end of cryptocurrencies, in quote, said Chang, adding, if you can no longer tell whether the right people are signing transactions to you or not, then you have destroyed trust. This cryptocurrency world is based on a distributed, trustless environment, end quote. This is by far the most pertinent security issue for blockchains when it comes to coexisting in a world with quantum computers, especially given that researchers and mathematicians are already aware of a possible algorithm called Shor's algorithm that could be used by a sufficient 
sufficiently powerful quantum computer to break elliptic curve digital signatures. We've had the math available to us for decades in terms of what the first and second generation quantum computers are going to look like, said the QRL Foundation's Coltoon. At the same time, Coltoon did contend that quantum computers may vastly exceed scientists' expectations and prove to make blockchain technology obsolete in ways not yet imagined. Coltoon says, quote, you should be wary of anyone who claims to sell you a waterproof watch or quantum-proof blockchain because we are not yet fully aware of the potential of quantum computers. For someone to proclaim any technological product, blockchains or otherwise, as impervious to quantum computers would require them to know what these computers are entirely capable of, which we don't, end quote. Precisely because the full capabilities of quantum computers are not yet known, combating their impact to existing blockchain platforms may sound like a doltish task. As frequently explained by prominent Bitcoin evangelist and author Andreas M. Antonopoulos, the threat of quantum com- computing in his mind is often overplayed. Quote, we can migrate quite easily to another algorithm, he said last year during one of his monthly Q&As. It's not really as big of a threat as people think it is. Well, it, it is if we don't get off our ass. So there's that. Continuing, what's more, while the capabilities of quantum computers may be vastly more extensive than currently imagined, they also may be vastly overstated. Quote, Google's quantum Breakthrough is a primitive type of quantum computing that is nowhere near breaking cryptography, said Bitcoin core developer Peter Todd. We still don't know, even know if it's possible to scale quantum computing. Still, if there is a general understanding that quantum computing will be a problem for blockchain networks moving forward, Keyshift, the professor at the University of Waterloo, asks, shouldn't we be doing something about it today? Good question to ask. That's me. Sorry. Keyshift said his newly commissioned research team would be looking into a handful of the most promising quantum safe, quantum safe cryptography tools, including lattice-based cryptography and multivariate public key cryptography. His researchers will initially begin testing on the enterprise-focused Hyperledger Fabric blockchain. There are scores of others that the wider crypto space should be looking into, according to Keyshift. Pointing to an ongoing competition hosted by the United States National Institute of Standards and Technology, or NIST, Keyshift said that there have been over 80 different proposals submitted from researchers and academics for quantum-resistant public key cryptographic algorithms. Having put forth his own proposal in NIST's ongoing cryptography competition, post-quantum CEO Anderson Chang, or sorry, Anderson Chang said, you don't need a quantum computer to come into existence to work out what is required to counter the threat from it. This isn't trial and error because you can work out mathematically what is good enough or not. So, yeah, that was a long one. But this is the quantum computing thing. I'm I'm just going to go ahead and say it. It is a threat. Um, it's not a slam dunk threat by any stretch of the imagination, but it is a threat. And if there's a threat out there, then it needs to be engaged and and squashed. So I'm hoping that we get Schnorr signatures in, and I'm also hoping that some people, some of the Bitcoin developers are looking past Schnorr signatures and the rest of that in and looking, looking to quantum safe cryptography. And it is good to know that last line is really important. I'm going to read that to you again. Um, let's it's all the way down here. This is this one really is important to keep in mind so that you don't get scared out of your mind. Okay. You don't need a quantum computer to come into existence to work out what is required to counter the threat from it. This isn't trial and error because you can work out mathematically what is good enough or not. So 
basically means that with standard computing, we can kind of figure out what would be quantum resistant. And again, that that's being done by these guys. I'm just hoping that Bitcoin developers like Peter Todd and the rest of them are looking way past Schnorr signatures um, because are they, are they, are they quantum safe? I, I haven't heard a, a, I haven't heard anything about whether or not the uh, proposed new signature scheme is quantum safe or not. The ECC clearly can be compromised, but you know, I, I think it's going to be a race, but my, you know, my standard question is, is that the very first thing that would be done is an attack? I mean, why attack the hardest money ever? I mean, the fact that it possibly could and not doing it would still give me the willies. But I, I'm like, if we're if we're going to be doomed to a fiat world, then, you know, what, what the hell is all this worth? You know, I mean, and I'm not talking about blockchain or, or, or Bitcoin. I'm talking about just existence. What the fuck is it worth being born given a number, which is basically a chain for your, your, your slave, slave cell just to die. I mean, is that what this, is that what this shit is? Is that what all is life didn't used to be about that. Life has never been all that easy, no matter what the, you know, what the monetary system is. But I guarantee there was probably a lot of people that were just fine. You know, it only seems that poverty, poverty seems to only really occur under conditions that we find ourselves in with really, really entrenched family names that have super shit tons of money that will not relinquish control over the world. And and until there's like some kind of change in that attitude, I don't see this shit changing anytime soon unless something like Bitcoin is secure AF against any attack. And that includes supercomputing. Okay, so that's going to do it for the morning round. Vitals brought to you by bitinfocharts.com. Uh, we're looking at, I got a little bit of a price bump, $8,219 on Bitcoin. It appears that the high is going to be over at Oh, Bitfinex and Ethfinex both have it at eight thousand two hundred and seventy-nine, and yeah, that so the eight thousand two hundred nineteen is the low on that one. We have had ooh God, there's not a whole lot of transactions under three hundred thousand transactions were made over the last twenty-four hours with an average transactions number per hour of twelve thousand three hundred thirty-four. 821,000 BTC have been sent over the last 24 hours with 34,215 being sent on average per hour. Average transaction value is 2.77 BTC while the median is 0.016 BTC or about 135 bucks US, which is like half of what I like seeing. Block time is pretty cool. 10 minutes, 8 seconds. So it looks like the difficulty has adjusted itself quite well. Uh, it looks like one, uh, 0.18 BTC are being taken in fees on a per block basis and 26.4 BTC have been taken in fees overall on the last 24 hours. We've had a drop in hash rate of 9.5%, bringing us sub 90 to 87 exahashes per second. 
And the last commit to the uh, GitHub repository was done sometime this morning. Ethereum is at 177, Bcash is at 228, Litecoin is at 55, BSV is at 86, Ethereum Classic is at $4.67, and Dogecoin has had, a, oh, nice little bump, 0.0024. And let's see. Wow. It's beaten Litecoin. Nice. Yeah. Almost 30,000 transactions on Doge in the last 24 hours. Anyway, so that'll do it for that. Let's look at the mempool. Looks like we are 10 blocks deep into the mempool with 18,000 unconfirmed transactions chilling out. All the blocks are beyond capacity. And I'm looking, the last block that was minted 10 minutes ago was 1.43 megabytes. So nicely done. Okay, lightning. We've had a 50% increase in the number of new nodes over the last 24 hours, which basically means three new nodes have been added in the last 24 hours. Uh, 54 nodes have been added in the last seven days. New channels is down in the last 24 hours is down by 43% to uh, only 88 being added uh, over the last 24 hours. And over the last seven days, 973 channels were added. The number of nodes is still uh, on top of 10,000 at 10,026 nodes, which is an increase of 2.9% over the last 30 days. So there's your vital statistics. So it's Monday. Yeah, Monday. God is just kill me now. Um, although I will I will say this. Uh, today is a beautiful day for me because it's cloudy. That's right. It's cloudy. I know there's probably somebody in Seattle that's listening to me going, oh, you poor dipshit. No, 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 no. I mean, I, I, I get that. I mean, when you've got 274 days of clouds, you're probably at one point or another sick of the clouds. I live in the Texas Panhandle, so it's quite the reverse. I get like, I don't know, 300, 300 plus days of full sun, winter, summer, spring, fall. So when the clouds roll over and it's a thick blanketing, you know, it, it's making me feel really cozy right now because it's dark outside. It's not 150,000 million degrees. It's nice is cozy and it just screams fall. I am, I have been so waiting for fall, which happened September the 23rd. So we are officially in fall, but again, Texas, Texas is like, hold my beer when it, when it comes to whenever the hell fall, you know, wants to come in. I've, I've been, I have worn shorts. I shit you not people. I have like, and this was before the whole global warming, you know, hype and, and all that kind of crap. I was wearing shorts to go to class when I was in college in December. That happened more than once. So when Texas hears that fall is on the way, Texas just has a tendency to say, yeah, whatever, dude. So all that to say, all that to say that being Monday, being kind of slow, because everybody gets off on a slow start, I think this particular song is more than appropriate.
I'm calling an audible. I'm not doing daily train wreck because I haven't seen like just something that's that has it is idiocy inspired, right? So in lieu of that, I want to bring your attention to this thing that that I've been made aware of by let me make absolutely certain what his uh, address or his uh, handle is at the random one eighteen. Brought to my attention because I I had I had okay look I got ca- I get caught up in cat memes too, and I was yesterday yeah it was yesterday there's a, a video like a four or five second video of a cat jumping over a uh, like a kitty kitty fence uh, caught my attention and I swear to God I couldn't stop laughing just because the grace and poise and absolute sheer badassness of this particular move by this cat jumping over the fence, man, is not to be freaking missed. Uh, it's in my Twitter timeline. Uh, I, 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 it, if you follow me, you, maybe you grabbed it or, or saw it from somewhere else, but if you know what I'm talking about, you know how side splittingly awesome that thing was. So why am I talking about it? Well, because the random one, wrote me, gave me a private message and said, been working on a Chrome extension for the jumping cat video to jump when a Bitcoin block is mined. And, uh, and we go back and forth. I asked him if I could put it in the show and he, he said, yes, but it's not really him that's developing it. It is at Jivian Jules, J I V I N J U L E S. These Obviously, these are people on Twitter. And he said, better to credit her than me. So I wanted to make sure that that I mentioned both because, you know, if it wasn't for the random one, I wouldn't know about it. But he included a video and it looks like he's got trading view up in the background, but there's this Chrome extension drop down box and it's got the block height. And when the block changes, when, when a new block is minted, it literally fires the YouTube video of the cat jumping over the fence. And it's, it's great. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully that'll be a fun thing that, that maybe we can tip them through lightning or something like that to get that Chrome extension. Currently it's in alpha. So I, I, I don't have access to it, but yeah, you know, maybe, maybe they'll, uh, give me some access and I, I can, <laughs> I don't know. I'll share it out with you guys because we've got to have some fun. This is Bitcoin and because it can't always be about Bitcoin. And it also, we need to be able to take stock and how important it is to have fun, especially when we're like looking at 20% drops and every fudster under the sun going, see, I told you for the like millionth you know, time. I don't, I don't know how many articles have been written today about the death and, and early demise of Bitcoin, but I'm sure that the Bitcoin obituaries list will grow substantially over the next few weeks. So it's important to have fun. It's important to find the humor where you can because it's important. Otherwise, we're just going to all be pissed off all day long and we don't want that. Let's get right on in. Speaking of humor, let's get right on into terrible joke or bad humor (laughs) as the case may be. This is from Cashman Actor at C-A-S-H-M-A-N-A-C-T-O-R, who writes, Dr. Colon, we've got your results back. Me, colon, what's it look like, doc? Dr. Colon, piece of paper with numbers on it. Yeah. You see how bad these can get? You're terrible. Yeah. Oh, God. So let's just go right into the out. I'll see you guys on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett.
I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.